Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I'm Jim Lemmy. I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Chad. Hey, Jim. Chad, we have our first superintendent um, in the on the podcast. Her name is Jenny Netherland, and she's the superintendent for the Granger Independent School District in Texas. Okay? That is a long title right there. Um, but it's just cool and when i was looking for uh, guests for this season i was trying to branch out a little bit and to serve our coaches mainly our high school coaches um as um to see what the other side of athletics looks like you know and the people making the big decisions what are they thinking what's their background and um where are they coming from but what what do you like about this yeah no and i i agree gian just um i think her her advice uh, to coaches uh, there towards the end of the, the interview, she gets into her advice for what, what she wants her coaches to, to fight for and, um, and do. And, uh, and I think it's really important um, for just alignment from, from top down and uh, really important interview for us to, to hear. And even just her journey of how did she become a superintendent? Um, she didn't just go from from point A to point Z. There was a process and a growth there. And uh, I think, Coach, you're going to really love hearing her story. She's got great passion, great energy, and we don't want to waste any more time. So let's just get into this interview right now. Jenny Netherland, thank you so much for coming on the Christian Coach Podcast. It's an honor. You're our first superintendent in this Yay. podcast. So. Um, I don't know if I should congratulate you, but, um, <laughs> but you are a coach. And so, um, or pray for me, you can yeah. pray for me. <laughs> um, but we, you know, our first question is always, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? But for you, I can change it to what does it mean to you to be a Christian superintendent? Well, I, I think it's all one in the same because superintendents and coaches, they're all educators. And so, um, I think that living the, um, being, identifying yourself that that's part of that is that that's part of your identity and part of your identity is not just what you say it's what you do and so to me um, being a christian superintendent or being a christian coach is taking that competitive aspect of trying to excel in our profession um, but doing that in a way that glorifies god and you know just puts the light on who, who we are as a human and then how our walk kind of translates and, and is one in the same. And so while I was not always really great at that younger in my career, I feel like I'm doing a better job of that now as a mom and as a professional and as an educator to say, you know, that you can, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be, um, this, this walking embodiment of, Christ and Jesus every day. You just got to keep trying and, yeah. and love people. Do you think that that's a, a misunderstanding of what Christians are is, you know, I think the outside world looks at us and always like hypocrite, hypocrite, you know, you're doing oh, these absolutely. things wrong. Yeah. Um, and I think so, you know, I coach at a Christian school and, mm -hmm. and so, you know, we, we sometimes, which is very hurtful, but sometimes we get other coaches like, Oh, I thought you were Christians. And it's like, well, yeah, we, we mess up too. And that, that's the whole point. That's the whole yeah, point is yeah. that we know we mess up. Therefore, we need Christ to save us. Yeah, um, the, the um, hospital for sinners. That's what yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, you um, posted on Twitter back this spring, I believe. Okay. And this has to do, this is not bad. Um, 
This has to do with taking steps forwards in your career. Okay, so I'm going to read the tweet and then we can expand upon that a little bit. Perfect. Being a middle school teacher coach slash coach helped me be be a better high school teacher slash coach. Being an assistant principal helped me be a a, a principal. Being a middle school principal helped me be a better high school principal. And being a COO helped me be a better superintendent. Each step is an opportunity to prepare the path step wisely. Um, Expand a little bit more on that um, and maybe talk about your journey now as uh, now that got you now to be a superintendent. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I was a teacher and a coach uh, for 10 years and prior to going into administration. And so I feel like that was such a, a blessing. And I do strongly feel like coaches are the best administrators because they have dealt with a lot of uh, situations that are conflict and high, high stress and, and those types of things. And so, and, and quite honestly, you know, if you are in a position as an administrator to do good work and change work, right. Um, you're going to have to upset some people. And so, you know, we talk about in John all the time in John 15, um, they talk about how you are persecuted as an administrator and as a coach, you are as well. And, and so those two things kind of go hand in hand. So I feel like that was the path preparation all along. And, and I, when I first took the, when I got my first assistant principal position, then I I quickly was able to go through the ranks and rise up and, and, and each position though, has held the steadfast belief that, you know, they're, they're, I don't necessarily know what was next, Um, I did not know that I wanted to be a superintendent. Actually, I was in my, uh, I was a middle school principal in a large district and, and the superintendency seems very, very far off at that particular point. Like it's just, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just too far off. And so when I was, we had brought in some, uh, local churches and we allowed the local churches to have groups, student group meetings because the kids had requested it. And so the, the local churches were in the mix with our kids. And one of the youth workers in Midland at Stonegate, he comes up and he said, um, his name is Dustin. And he said, so when are you going to be a superintendent? And I just look at him and I'm like, what are you talking about? And, and so I said, I'm not going to, I said, you're very sweet, but I, I have no plans of being a superintendent. Really. I just want to be a high school principal. Yeah. And yeah. so he, he said, Nope, you're going to be a superintendent. And I said, <laughs> I, I hadn't started anything. There was no path. There was nothing. Right. Yeah. And so I, but he planted a seed in my head and then I became a high school principal. God prepared the path for us to, my family was transitioning out to the hill country in Texas. And so we were transitioning and and finding where we were going to be out there and where we could do his work. And so then I, I, I'm in that position and there's a lot of things that were happening. And my direct supervisor, my superintendent, he just said, you know, if you want to do some of these things, then you're going to have to be a superintendent. And so I said, <laughs> okay. And I signed up the next day. It's kind of crazy. Okay. And, and so um, then we, you know, I, I got into the role and, and I was loving it and I, and I felt very called. And there was a lot of things that I experiences and opportunities that I had. And then I was told that if you really want to be a high school, I mean, a superintendent as a female, you have to go into central office. 
And I said, okay, you know, that's one of those things that you can either get mad and frustrated about that, or you can say, okay, then what do I need to do? And so I kind of reflected on what job could help me. Um, I've done curriculum instruction. I've been a coach and I've done all these things. Like what have I not done? And I thought, well, the maintenance and operations side. And so an opportunity came up with Salado and to be the operations officer. And so I started working with transportation and construction and operations and all of those things. And I learned so much, right. But I was a fish out of water and I, 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 it was an uncomfortable (laughs) and job in the sense of, you know, I had worked for great people, but I mean, I, I did not know as much as I needed to know. I had a leadership skill set, yep. but I, I didn't know. I mean, it was just one of those things I was like, and I got really close to God in this time period because I felt so inept and he kept telling me I'm preparing your path. I'm preparing your path. And so I finally just got to the point where I said, you know, I, I need you to work through me and work for me. And, and then he prepared and opened the floodgates. And so it's been an amazing experience. And now as a superintendent, a lot of the things that I learned um, in that role are helping me today. Yeah. What was, um, cause probably the first big jump is going from individual contributor of teacher slash coach to being an assistant principal. That's a big, that's a big change there, right? In just communication with personal students, as well as now you're in charge of many more adults, right? Um, What was going through your your life and and maybe in your faith story that that made you want to make that first jump? Well, I always felt called to leadership. I mean, I think those are, God gives everybody specific strengths. And, and so I did feel very called and I was in the program and and I talked about this in another podcast, but I, my very first, like when I was ready and I had just finished up my master's, I was living in a town that that was on an oil boom Midland. Right. And so prices went from rent prices went from one thing to another. And I had, um, cause I still owned a home where I had been coaching. And so I was having to rent and, and the, the rent went from like $900 to like 19, 2000. And, and you just had to like make it work. Well, teacher salaries can't afford that. And so I just told God, I just said, you know, I need you now. And so if I meant to have go into this role and I meant to do this, like, I need you to work through me and, and open the path. And so within a month, um, I mean, and, and like, I couldn't afford the rent. Right. And so he basically prepared the path and he opened the gate and I got a job offer and I, cause I had relinquished my apartment. I, I didn't know where I was going, but I didn't have anywhere to live. <laughs> and so I, cause I gave it up cause I knew I wouldn't going to be able to afford it. I was like, we're going to land somewhere. I don't know where, and I put all faith in him. And then it happened at Midland Lee and we were able to, um, wear Friday night lights and all of that good stuff. And, and so he, he just opened the path and each place that I have been in each opportunity, he just opens the path. Yeah. How, what, what are some ways that you stay close to God in order to have that effective communication there where you are 
listening to him say, Hey, this is the next step, right? You, you know, you might not know what it is, but, but trust me, this is, this is the right way to do it. What are some of the things that, that you do on a regular basis to stay close to God? Well, first off, it's who you're around. And, and that to me is the, the biggest um, piece of that puzzle. Like the, they always say the people that you're the five closest people that you yeah. keep around. I, I keep myself around people who are uplifting and who remind me of what not only that I am capable of, but remind me of who I am. And so those kind of things, you know, my, my cousin, Mish, my brother, um, you know, there's just family and friends that I stay connected to that really, they, they, they keep me grounded. And so then my daughter, my, oh my goodness, my beautiful daughter, (laughs) um, she is one of those that she will remind me of, um, I see Jesus through her all the time and in her eyes and, and, and so in her actions and, and those things And my, um, one of my former assistant principals, he is such a strong mentor to me and, and it will, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm sent quotes and, and things that, um, remind me and pray for me and, and, and having people pray for me. I ask people like, you're, you're going to pray for us at the end. I love that because, um, that's, it's so helpful to surround yourself with people who are going to uplift you because one of the things that I would always tell kids and I would always say, I wish you could see yourself through my eyes. And so you need to surround yourself with people who see the you that you can be. And, and that is, um, and listen to them and hear them and feel them and receive their prayers and receive their motivation to you and belief in you. And, and you can hear it, but you might not always receive it. And, and that's part of it too, because sometimes in our lives, we don't receive God's grace and he's given it to us we don't take it. And then we internalize that. And, and so it's very important to surround yourself with great people. I stay in my Bible. I've been very strong in that and listening to podcasts and listening to people who have walked the walk and, and that come out, um, come out of the flames and they're just taking other people water. Yeah. Um, you mentioned there in your answer about the kids, not not knowing who they really are, right? And being able to see themselves as we see them. Um, and maybe sometimes, you know, how God sees them. What are some of the struggles you've been experiencing, even through COVID, that middle school and high school kids are facing right now? They are struggling with, um, I, I, I will be honest, the, the social aspect, um, that's a huge struggle. I mean, I know everybody talks about learning gaps and the learning gaps are going to happen and we're going to have to work through those and, and all of those things. But we we denied kids the opportunity to be together and be social. And so, again, they go into more of the introverted, you know, the, where they don't where they don't interact as much. And we moved, we moved from Lano to Salado during that time and during COVID. And my daughter experienced that she was a super extrovert, outgoing all of the time, and then went to a place where she wasn't seen, didn't have friends and, and was new. And so those types of things the, when we separate kids and, and we're all meant to belong together, right? And, and yep. that's, that's the goal is for us to walk together and be together and, and be a community. And when you take a community and then you separate it, 
and and then people become in like unfortunately they they just become about what that they themselves need and their world and those types of things and we've created that environment for kids to be protecting themselves and and so that's beautiful we want them to stay safe but we also need them to see that we are all one big community and we are not um we are not individuals we are one world and we we removed that and that's a struggle we're gonna have to fix that how how do you think um being a former coach how do you think coaches can actively help students in that area now that things are going back to a little bit more normal and sports you know basically you're with people you're forced to be around people but how can coaches really foster that environment of reconnection yeah so and and that's the same for coaches for teachers for everybody it's just make kids collaborate like uh, okay i say make but uh, facilitate opportunities for collaboration and and you know, I know that coaches and, and, and that's one of the best things is that we still were able to have a lot of sports, yeah. um, especially in Texas. I'm yeah. so thankful for UIL and all that they did for our students and our staffs um, to be able to have, have sports and be able to function. Um, because I feel like had we lost that, we would have lost a lot more kids and, and the mental capacity, um, the mental struggles and the mental health that that would have been because you take away somebody's identity. Yeah. Kids are athletes. And when yeah. they've been playing from the time that they were little, you, you rob them of what they identify as that is, that is, um, trauma. I'll just yeah. say that. And so thankfully we were able to have that. And so coaches can take this opportunity to just remind them that we are a community, that we are family, that we are teams, we are a school. And this is one of the things that I, I talked about um, recently with ours is that we're, we're one, we belong together. And, and so when you create that sense of belonging, you are, you are taking care of people at the most basic level of human nature. You are creating a place, a safe space for them to belong. And when they are part of a team, they belong. Yeah. And then just continuously getting kids out to participate, providing them opportunities to uh, be together and, and um, just have that, have that uh, teamwork. Yeah. Well, as you know, this is a, uh sporting coaches podcast so let's talk a little bit about sports um how did you get into sports um and then what made you want to become a coach later yeah so i absolutely i mean i'm so competitive and so so like that's both the most like wonderful thing that god gave me and then the thing that he has to remind me to get in check very frequently right and so um, I compete with my daughter on the drop-off line at school. I was like, let's beat the car in front of us. That's right. Let's I like it. it. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> See? Right there. I got yeah. it. So, um, and, and that's fun. That's a connection, right? Yeah. And so I think that it's so important for, um, for kids to be involved in sports, especially girls. But we, I mean, I just have a super athletic competitive family. Right. Okay. And so growing up and, and we were very destitute. We did not have a lot of money or anything like that. We were living in, you know, Midland has the haves and the have nots, um, in oil business, but I was definitely a have not. And so we would just play. My brother would force us to, uh, throw the ball with him. And did you just have it. one brother? 
or I had what? one brother. Yes. Okay. And so, you know, he would, he's an athletic director as well. Okay. And so he is, um, and, and we just have, we would always play, we were always out there throwing and, and playing and, and working and taking care of business. And so, but I always played softball and then I, you know, you're out there and I had an aptitude for it. And then we're out there in the fields. And then that became my family away from my family and my friends and the closest girlfriends that I'd had growing up, we all played. And, uh, it, it was, it was a really, really fun and special time in my life. And so, uh, that I, I had coach Woodard, actually the Texas state university head softball coach was my head coach in high school. Wow. And she's been there. That'll age me because she's been at Texas state for a while. And, and, but, um, she was so inspiring to me that, that she really made, made me want to be a coach. And so, and I, like I talked about it, like I was an average player, but she pulled so much out of me and gave me so much belief in myself that she instilled so much into me as a leader and as a, um, as a player. And, and I just thought, I want to do that for people. I want to, I want, I want that to be something that I can say, Hey, you know, this is what you're capable of. And it's just a beautiful thing when it, when it works. And so, um, I, I wanted to be a coach and that's where I got into it. And I just love sports and I'm, I, you know, I help school districts now find their athletic directors because I feel like that's such an important part of it as well, um, that you can create a wonderful, good school system when you have strong athletics and we work hand in hand. Yeah. How important. And that was one of the, that was the only question I wrote down actually was how important is it for coaches to understand the role of a superintendent when it comes to athletics? Yeah. So, I mean, we obviously, we have to see the big picture, the global picture. Right. And so I always tell my coaching staff and the coaches that I, and, and, and actually any program director for that matter, I want you to fight and advocate for your program. And because if I, if no one else does, it should be you. Right. That's true. So you need to be like full on my job is to manage all and to say, I'm going to have to tell you no at times, but that doesn't mean you should take that personally. It means that you, you continue to fight for your program, whether it's the band program, whether it's the theater program, I want you to fight to the death on just, you know, (laughs) making sure that your people now I need you to be a teammate and a team player to say, if you hear the word, no, and you hear the word, not yet. And I, I, I prefer not yet. I don't like yep. the word no as much and just say that we were going to have to find a different way that you understand that, that we work together and, and that you're also the teammate that says, okay, so, um, I'm going to, I'm sacrificing for the whole, or we're all going to be a part of this. And so while this program may get something this year, this program, and, or we have to make sacrifices, I say, I, I wholeheartedly believe in see the need, meet the need. And so if you see that we are in, you know, as, as the athletic director or the head football coach or a baseball coach, if you see that we are really short on subs, that you step up and say, how can I help? And then, you know, what, what can we as our team do to make sure that the whole is not having to 
be harmed by our program and those types of things. And that's a culture that we create on our campus because it, it, it and it only comes when you have really good teammates. Yeah. And, and that's why that's important because as a, as a coach, I, I wanted to advocate for softball programs. Like I was a softball coach, a head softball coach. I advocated for my program. That's great. But I also needed to see that if we needed something, like if they needed to use this facility um, at that time, because we had a storm and the red cross had to come in and we had to do this X, Y, Z, I'm there, I'm helping we're taking care of it. And so then softball then becomes a back burner. And then the priority is people and the priority is humanity and, and what is, what is best for the team. And, and that's, it's the, it's the most basic concept that all coaches actually teach and preach in their program. Um, It just has to be translated to a higher level uh, as a whole campus. And that's whether it's a college campus or a high school campus, or actually any, mm. any company, like yeah. it all goes this one, one in one. Hand yeah. in hand. That's true. That's true. Well, um, thank you so much. Thank you. This yeah. was great. Uh, I, I loved it. Um, I think you'll open the eyes of a lot of coaches um, that might not know what a superintendent does, or, you know, might just, like you said before, it's like so far away and so disconnected from the day to day, but I think it'll be enlightening to everybody. Um, how can we be praying for you? You can, we are actually, we have a young man um, in our school system that has leukemia and his name is Javier. And I would greatly appreciate prayers um, for him. And there's two things. We are actually transitioning. We're moving so I can be closer to where I'm working. Uh, okay. So, cause the, and y'all part, y'all talk about, you know, being, the mission field is yeah. where you are. Yeah. And so I'm trying to be in the mission field where I am. <laughs> and so we're in the transition of a move. So if you okay. can pray for that, I would love that. All right. Sounds good. Let's pray. Okay. Thank you. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day that you've made, Lord, that you've created. Lord, um, nothing that happens today is by chance. Um, you, you are the big orchestrator of our lives, Lord. And and, and you weave them all together, these stories, um, so that we can um, later boast on you. Um, Father, thank you for uh, Miss Netherland and, and all that she's done um, in Texas in the school system. Um, Lord, I pray that as she moves now to a little closer to where she works, Lord, that, um, that, that it will be a smooth transition for her and her family, um, that, you know, the, the new place that she moves into will be will be filled with your with your presence and everyone that she comes in contact with will feel that lord also like to lift lift up javier um that uh, as he's you know deals with leukemia that that you comfort him comfort his family um that that you guide the doctors in charge and that we know that you're a healing god and that you have the power to heal him if it's your will in your name i pray amen Amen. What a what a fun interview. How how lucky and and blessed we were to get uh, Miss Jenny to come on and just share her her expertise. Um, to think she's she's the top top of uh, top of the line there in her her department and strong leader. Um, but I just really appreciated hearing her thoughts on just alignment within um, within her school district. And and I know just for me thinking back on 
getting hired uh, at 26 as a head coach is like, man, I just saw my little team, my little program, and that was everything. You know, I was trying to build build the career and and make a difference. And, and I think as I um, stayed longer in in my university uh, for seven years, I started to see the bigger picture, you know, and started to see things from an athletic director's point of view, from the president's point of view, um, and and start fighting more for for the vision of the school. Uh, and then, you know, that allows me to be able to know when to ask for things and when to fight for, for something that's going to help my team and when to just say, no, I, I respect that. It's better for the for the whole, the group is better for me to not get my way in this one little thing. So um, I think super important for us all to realize as coaches because we just get zoned into our own little world sometimes. Yeah, one of the best things I've done, Chad, in the past is interact with my superiors, you know, and get to know them a little bit better, know what they're, what they go through. And, you know, I used to play racquetball with our compliance officer and our marketing person, you know, because then even though we're not sitting down in a meeting talking about what they're going through, you can just feel like they, you know, they make comments here and there, and you can start to understand that the athletics department is not just about football. It's not just about tennis, you know, it, it has all these different things and they have, so many more stakeholders that they have to handle than just us you know like us as a individual tennis program for example we have our parents our donors and that's basically it you know but like a, an athletic director or a superintendent man look how much more they have to, to to juggle and i think sometimes you just say oh i need new surface on my courts like the answer might be no you know and it's not because they don't want you to have new courts it just has all these other things that, that they need to juggle at the same time. And I loved how she talked about each coach being to be able to, you know, ask for their, their stuff. You know, the superintendent doesn't know what, what you need for your individual program. Your athletic director might not even know, you know, unless you ask, unless you advocate for your program, for your athletes. Um, because, you know, if you ask for it and they say no, you're still in the same boat, you know. But it might be that if you make a good point, you, you, you make your case. They might see the need and they might put that on the top of their priority list um, and, and you might end up just getting it. Um, the other thing I liked, Chad, was how, you know, the she went from middle school teacher coach to high school teacher and coach, then being a um, assistant principal to a principal, then a middle school principal helped her become a high school principal and now COO to become a superintendent. And it just goes to show if you're faithful in where you are, just like we talked about Matt McCarty's podcast last week, that it will open you doors. It will give you opportunities. You know, each step is going to give you an opportunity to to um, to to keep. I don't want to say climbing that ladder because sometimes it's just good to stay in one place. But opportunities will come if you're faithful and, and good at what you do. And Jenny is a great example of that. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And we're just so thankful for you, coach, to be joining us on this journey. Um, we're, we're learning so much and, and uh, something you could do for us if, if this is adding value and, and helping you as a coach is just to get on and, and rate, review, share through social media or by word of mouth. Um, that would be just a huge help um, to us and uh, for us to keep keep spreading the word on this uh, podcast. Yeah. And, you know, we, we have the Christian Coach Community Chat on Patreon as well. Um, just for five bucks, you can help us continue to do this podcast and, you know, the proceeds will go um, to sports ministries um, around the country. And, you know, we put out a, a, a devotional every week, 
every Monday morning, there's a devotional there. And then there's the video versions of our interviews with extra questions to the guests. And it's just been great, great to see how this podcast, you know, and us being faithful and putting out good work has, has helped us spread that message to even more people. You know, Chad, I think when we first published our first episode, it was just me and you, our wives and our parents that listened to it. Now we got hundreds of people listening to it. Um, and it's just great to do this with you every week. And coach, remember, the mission field is right where you're at.